Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 26 of Own the Road with Auto Trader, where we make car stuff simple for Canadians. My name is Jody Lai, and I'm the editor in chief of Auto Trader. And my name is Dan Alika, and I am Auto Trader's road test editor. So today we are going to be talking about car features that we cannot live without. I honestly didn't think about. Jody and I decided on this, or, or kind of, she asked me, "What do you think?" And I think I suggested last the last episode about asking Google, you know, are EVs or do EVs? And then Jody was like, what about the episode after that? And I was like, I don't know. And she was like, oh, what about car features we can't live without? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then I forgot about it until this morning. Great. Thanks for being prepared. Yeah. So this is, but, <laughs> but it's going to be like a very genuine, I didn't know prep. I didn't think this through. This is going to be okay. off the cuff here for those of you watching. There. Off the cuff. I, the answers are right off the cuff, coming to you Perfect. from the Auto Trader Studios. And then we're going to do a bonus round uh, later on where we talk about the most obscenely fancy features or useless features we've seen in cars. So think about that one. Um, and because it'll be a little bit of a shorter episode, we have four Ask an Expert questions. So nice. we're going to spend a lot of time um, answering your questions. So thank you all for sending them in. Um, so yeah, let's get started. I feel like... so. My, I drive a 2015 vehicle, it's my personal car, it's yep. a Volkswagen Golf, um, and it doesn't have a lot of features, and I used to think that I was like, my needs for a car were very simple. I was like, I don't need anything fancy, just give me the basics. But a, lot, a part of Dan and my job is to review different cars. So we're in new cars almost every single week, and that has made me really, really spoiled. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's funny, though, because I find getting into, so my car is a 2014 Golf wagon. I always like to throw that throw that in there. Um, mine is very bare bones. Like, yours has a backup camera, I think. Yes. Um, which means it's got a touch screen. Mine just has, like, a very basic LCD screen. It does have Bluetooth, but it doesn't have, it's got heated seats and... I don't even have automatic climate control, okay. manual transmission, and I find it's like a like a palate cleanser. Going from, you know, some fancy vehicle and then driving to pick up the next one or just spending the weekend with my car, um, it's just refreshing. I kind of like it too, mostly because I just enjoy how bare bones my car is, but then it just feels like you're coming home, right? Like, it's obviously not a very fancy car. Um, and I usually enjoy getting back into it, unless it's something car. like a Lamborghini. And I was driving a Lamborghini last year for like a couple days, and I got back into my Golf, and it felt like actual trash. Yeah, that. It that made can me happen. real sad. <laughs> I just, I still, I love my Golf. I mine's a mine's a diesel wagon, um, and I like how it's got power windows and locks. It's got air conditioning, Bluetooth, and heated seats. That's it. And that's all I need. Yeah. Okay. So heated seats is a really good one. Oh, heated yeah. seats is something that I honestly cannot live without because I'm always cold. Like I'll turn on the heated seats in the summertime Weird flex. because I'm always cold. Weird but flex, now bro. it has gotten worse because now I'm like, I can't live without a heated steering wheel. I was just talking to some people, had, had dinner with, with some great, some great people, some friends of mine. Um, and we were talking this couple are buying a new vehicle. Uh, they're buying a Mazda CX-5. Cool. And they're waiting on it. So they were asking me about it and we were talking about features and someone else at the dinner said, oh yeah, but does it have a heated steering wheel? And they're like, no. And he was like, you're you're gonna regret not getting that. And I said, no, you won't. 
as long as you don't have it and you're losing it. That's true. If you have it, you can't go back to not having it. But, but if you've never seats, had it, then you don't know what you're missing. Heated seats are the one I think is like universally you know, whether you've had them or not, it's like, you got to get that feature. Especially living in Canada. Yeah. I feel like heated seats are like maybe the one thing I cannot live without. Um, but you know me, so I'm terrible at directions. Yeah. What do you call it? Oh, Jodiography. Jodiography instead of yeah. geography. I'm just yeah. like, I have, I never know where I'm going. She just makes it up as she goes. My knowledge of like north, south, east, west. Or is even awful. roads like that we shoot on consistently, you forget where yes. to turn and it's like you've shot there like dozens and dozens of times. And I, I will get lost in my own hometown. Like it is yeah. ridiculous. Um, and so because of that, I cannot live without Android Auto. And here's the because reason. Because of Google Maps. Because be Google clear. Maps is so good. So yeah. all of the um, navigation systems that come with vehicles, they're all terrible. No. Almost I'll all of them out. are yeah. terrible. That um, I would I would disagree. And Toyota's new system is very good. But don't you need an app? You yeah, it's subscription based. That is lame. Yeah, I don't like that. The nice thing about Google Maps, it's free. So is Apple Maps. If you are some kind of sick, sadistic masochist, why would you <laughs> ever use? Apple Maps, it's straight trash. Yeah, especially when Google Maps is just so good, right? Yes. Um, and so I can't, I can't, I hate driving a car without Android Auto. And to be fair, these days, most cars that I get into have Android Auto. Every car. With the exception of a couple of Porsches. Oh, Android Auto. Yeah, Apple CarPlay is is more widely because, available. And it makes sense because they did, a, they did you know, consumer-focused studies and like something like 90-something percent of Porsche drivers have Apple phones. So yeah. I'm an outlier in that I'm complaining for with that because, you know, people who can afford Porsches generally can afford Apple products. Yeah, but no, I think it's like, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it, it was also, I know there was a big, I don't remember who it was, I think... It was either Mazda or Toyota. They were still in the early days. They were still hammering out the agreement with Google because Google really wanted to own, you know, your your personal data. And they were pushing back to say, like, you know, that's not something that, that we would do is mm -hmm. give that. So hammering out that agreement postponed a lot of Android Auto Um rollouts because I they still that. needed to like firm things up and make sure that they were both in in agreement on how it was going to work i agree like apple carplay i love it um it's it's easy it's comfortable what i like most about it is and this is one of those things that applies to to people like jody and i in particular is going from one vehicle to the next there's that familiarity where you don't need to learn a new infotainment system. Like if you're just picking it up and you need to get back to the office or whatever, it's nice to like plug your phone in and have that operating system open and it's familiar and it looks the same in every vehicle. Yeah. That is huge. And I just, the ones that come with the cars are just never as user-friendly as Google Maps. Like yeah. Google Maps is so hard to beat in terms of like ease of use and just for any navigation yeah. system, it can't be beat. And that's why I can't live without it. <laughs> but going back to, to Ross and Emma, the the couple, they're, they're expecting and so they wanted to buy a, a bigger vehicle. So they chose the CX-5. Um, one of the features I can't live without that Jody, you know I love, 
40 20 40 split folding back seats oh that's very european and i told when they told me that they that they were waiting for a cx5 to arrive um that was the first thing i said to them I was like it's got 40 20 40. <laughs> the stuff you get excited about is so funny <laughs> but i was like and then i explained why and i said well think about it if you have your your baby in a child seat and you can still have the center section folded down and you get the two outboard seats as opposed to if you're trying to move, let's say, I don't know, you've got the baby and you're driving around with your mom and it's like one of you has to sit in the middle seat because the mm -hmm. in a 60-40, that other side of it is folded down. It's a real pain. 60-40 is a terrible format. 40-20-40 is the way to go. And very few automakers do it. Like you said, yeah. European ones. So I know BMW does it. Mercedes, Volkswagen, Mazda does it with its... Volkswagen? Yeah, my... my oh, mine oh, doesn't my do that. Has, my Golf has a pass-through. It's not oh. quite 40-20, but it's the same concept as I have a, a pass-through section um, in between, which is like a close second. I really like that ability, you know, because that means if... I don't know, let's say you go to Home Depot, you pick up some trim or something, you're, you know, redoing your kitchen and you're putting the trim in... You know, you don't have to fold the seats down. You can just slide it in between mm -hmm. and you're good to go. Yeah, I like that. Um, here's a really simple one that comes up quite a bit, a volume knob. Yeah. It's so crazy to me how many vehicles today do not come with a volume knob. I don't know, though. I mean, I think there was a phase of time where that was the case, but I think a lot of the brands that went away from them have gone back to them. Or some people have just abandoned them entirely. Like no, I that's was, what I'm saying. Well, I was just driving a brand new uh, Volkswagen Golf R. It did not have a volume yeah, knob. Yeah, it's got that stupid touch slider. And it's so dumb because it's not illuminated at night. So basically, if you want to change the volume at night, you're like blind. And it's <laughs> also one of those things that people who own the vehicles, like when we complain about features that are absent or features that you know, don't function properly. The one I always get when I've complained about volume knobs, people will comment in the video like, Oh, you'll oh, get used to it. Or, oh, there's one on the steering wheel. Like, what's wrong with you? It's like, dude, <laughs> I try to be a, a thoughtful person. If somebody's in the passenger seat, they're not reaching over, touching the steering wheel. Like, and it's just as frustrating when you're a passenger trying to use this finicky little touch sensor where you have to swipe and slide or tap. It is annoying, but like, aside from Volkswagen doing it, Honda went away from it and went back to it. Because people complained so much. They were like, okay, we'll bring back the volume knob. And exactly. everyone was like, hooray, rejoice. Exactly. Something so simple. I feel like when a lot of automakers are trying to like push the envelope with their design, they do it in a way that doesn't keep like practicality or user friendliness in yeah. mind. Like, yeah, you can get used to it, but the fact is you shouldn't have to get used exactly. to it. These things should be immediately obvious, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, a volume knob is something that I find, like, I can't live without that. How about this? And th it's funny because my golf doesn't doesn't have this. Something I can't live without. Doors that extend to the bottoms of the rocker panels so that when you're getting in and out of your car, especially in the wintertime, you don't get road grime and snow and salt and all that nasty stuff on your pant legs. Yeah. And that's a very common feature in crossovers um, if you take a look, I don't know, the Subaru Forester is a good example. The Honda CRV is another bunch one. bunch of BMWs I just drove have that. Yeah, the doors, if you look, the, the outer door shells extend down. So when you look at the car, the, the door is all you see. And then when you open it, you see the yeah. rocker panels. 
oh, it's the best. It, that, that one's really funny because before you had mentioned that, I didn't even understand what you were talking about. And then now that I've experienced it, I'm like, oh, so this has, I've been getting my pants dirty this whole time. And yep. I wasn't even aware that like they didn't do it differently. <laughs> our, our friend, Jen McCarthy from Hyundai Canada, she had that reaction once. I was getting her to help me just do a quick social media walk around video. And I said that. And then once she like finished recording and she was like, I never realized how great that is. It's a, it's, it's such a practical feature. And especially for a lot of SUVs, because I'm short. So oftentimes I have to like hop out of it. Yeah. And if I have to hop out of it and swipe my whole pants with like slush and salt, it's so annoying. The worst. Um, and so that's something that if you're shopping for cars, like test that out because yeah. you'll find it really helpful. Totally. That's a great one, Dan. Thank you. Um, something I love, but I, I can live without it. But something I really do love is blind spot monitoring. I can yeah. live without it because like my golf doesn't have it and it has like no blind spots anyway because it's like a box. You know, when it comes to features like that though, I think, and I'm not saying you, but I think for a lot of people, it creates a false sense of security and allows them to break good habits. Oh, yeah. So checking blind spots, a lot of people nowadays just don't because it's like, well, you know, I've got blind spot monitoring, but you should still be using your door mirrors. The one that I see that I'm like, well, you're clearly not using your door mirrors are the people driving around with their mirrors folded in. Who does that? I see it all the time really i've seen it coming out of car washes where you know it'll it'll like hit the mirror how do you not notice that that's happened and you drive away and i've pointed it out to people at at lights and stuff and how do they respond oh, i don't use them oh, anyway no they're like oh oh i didn't how do you not notice you should be checking what was the rule like when when you were doing driver's ed or whatever it was always like you should be checking all three of your mirrors in sequence like every 10 seconds or something right. like that I've driven behind people for like minutes at a time with their, especially the passenger side mirror. How That's do you wild. not, you should be using that all the time. And I think stuff like blind spot monitoring gives a false sense of security and allows people to yeah. break, break those good habits. I mean, it's, it's not there to replace shoulder checks. It's there as like a final check. I'm right? also a big fan of uh, like, even forget the shoulder check. If you can position your mirrors properly, just to be able to watch what's going on. If you're, it's not necessarily about merging in that sort of stuff on the, onto the highway. Like, yeah, you want to be very cognizant, but just aware of your, of your surroundings. Right. So to have your mirrors positioned properly, that to me trumps blind spot monitoring, For but sure. I do understand that it, it is a handy feature because it's a nice little kind of backup. Yeah. And I, I like it. I can live without it, but um, I think that it's just really Also, this helpful. is an episode of features we can live without, apparently. Well, now, since you brought it up, Dan, <laughs> we're going to go into the bonus round where we're going to talk about useless features or obscenely fancy oh, things that here, we can definitely live without. <laughs> here's one. Here's one that'll really rattle the cage of Boo Kapoor from, from Media Fleet Canada. Um, a good friend of the show who, you know, manages the press fleet uh, here in Toronto for a lot of different brands. Um, we, you know, really appreciate everything that he does. But he got a little defensive when I said in that little whatever YouTube short that you posted, I ranted about sunroofs. Oh, I, I agree with you. I hate sunroofs. They are dumb. They're, they're they're annoying because I I gotta protect the skin from from looking old, so I don't want the sun shining on my face. Now, <laughs> Boo had a good point. He said to me, was that in something like the Ford Mustang Mach E, 
it is nice because it makes it feel a little more airy. Yeah. And I do agree that the the shift that interior designers have gone to like dark headliners has made a lot of vehicles feel kind of like cramped little caves. Um, so in the Mustang Mach-E, it's a fixed glass panel and it's also got that, um, you know, it's like a, like a built-in kind of sunshade, like where it, it's got some sort of like chemical compound oh. where it'll automatically dim. Yeah. So I agree there, but it's just like, I don't know. I don't, Becky and I, all the time when we're driving in the summer, she's like, can we open the sunroof? I'm like, uh, why? I never, I have a sunroof in my old golf and I, I always keep the shade closed. I have one in my golf and the only time I've ever opened it is when Becky has been like, oh, can we please? I like never open it. I never use a sunroof. And mine's a panoramic sunroof. Like it's huge. And I just, it's sh it's shut all the time. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't like them. Um, and because you're tall too, it takes up a lot of the headroom. Oh yeah, it's a big problem for yeah. me. For I me, rather... that's not a problem because no. I'm short. But yeah, like you. when I go from, especially in SUVs, like I've driven the Nissan Pathfinder with a sunroof. And then that Rock Creek version that I just reviewed not too long ago doesn't have one. And it was like such a relief to get in and be like, oh, I can fit in here so comfortably. Yeah. Here's a feature that I like that Jody doesn't. Okay, let's hear it. Massaging seats. I hate them. I, I, I hate massaging seats. First of all, they don't even feel good. Oh, yeah, they do. I don't think they feel good. And I, they also hit me in all the wrong places. So it's like jabbing my bones and stuff. That's a you problem. So? Some scrawny little lady is telling me <laughs> that they're no good. Take it from a, from a, from a big guy. It feels good. I like it a lot. I just never like them. And Dan's oh. done this to me before where we're driving cars and he'll turn mine on without me knowing. Yeah. And I'll just lose it. I yeah. get so upset. It's really, yeah, I don't know. I like them. Um, I know you hate them. Other features that I could live without? Here's a fun one. Heated armrests. So I know I love heated <laughs> steering wheels and heated seats. I thought heated armrests were kind of silly. Oh, no, I like them. But... No, silly. The air scarf from Mercedes. In oh. Mercedes convertibles, when you drop the top, you can put on what they call the air scarf that blows hot air on your neck so you don't get cold with the top down. That is a useless, ridiculous feature. I don't think it's that stupid. Oh because I, if I have a convertible, I'm like militant about driving with the top down, which is funny yeah. with my stance on sunroofs. Yeah. <laughs> I will always have the top down in a convertible. I'll just wear a lot of sunscreen. Fair. Um, but even if it's cold out, I will still put the top down. So I do appreciate the air scarf for that. Yeah, I don't. But so, here's something I hear a lot of people uh, complain about. Becky is one of those people. Ventilated seats. That people say they don't like it because it makes them feel like they peed themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, but I think it's better now. In the early days, some of them where it was like really blowing cold air up your butt, you know? I understand like maybe. I never had a problem with it, but I understood. The one, like I remember when Subaru, um, its first ever ventilated seat was mm -hmm. in the Ascent. Which is like crazy that that was only six years ago. It took them that long. Uh, or seven years ago, I guess. Uh, anyways, and the, but the, the big deal was that the fans are actually drawing away from you as opposed to blowing air onto you. Oh, that's smart, actually. Yeah, so it's drawing heat away from you. So, and I think a lot, they've gotten better. I understood like kind of in the early days where, yeah, it, 
maybe for some people wasn't comfortable. I just think that's a common one I've Interesting. heard. Interesting. So that's all, that's a feature that I know a lot of people that they can't live without. Yeah, I know. I, I like it, and I like so going back to Subaru. I just drove the Solterra, which is its new EV, and it has automatic settings now. So you can choose the three stages um, of heat or ventilation in the in the top trim, or you can put it on auto. And it'll kind of, depending on the temperature and stuff like that, like it'll that. just engage it just ever so slightly That's pretty smart, on its own. Actually. And I really, because that way you don't have to think about it too much, right? Have you seen those cars where you can do both heat heat and ventilation yeah. at the same time? Yeah, I want, GM, I think, was, was a big one for a long time. You could do that. But GM's always kind of had that where you could choose whether you want to heat the upper back mm. or the lower cushion or both at the same time. Give you choices. That's a rare feature. It is a rare feature. I find like whenever I, f I have a car that can do both, I'm like, wow, this is so strange. Yeah, it's weird. It's just blowing heat on you. It's like a... I, I still don't really like understand the purpose. Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> but it's there if maybe you want it. it. I, maybe it's unintentional. Yeah. You know, because a lot of them, if you try... Because I've tried it just to see, like I'll tap both and yeah, it defaults, like it'll, it'll turn off one if you try right. to turn on the other. Um, so maybe it's one of those things that they just never realized that that you could do both and it was right. like oops it's too late if you want to talk about stupid features i was recently driving a bmw x1 which i really yeah. enjoyed actually um but i was reading the press release and they made a big deal about it has a selfie camera that is ridiculous. which i thought was so stupid because who doesn't just have a phone that they can take <sighs> a selfie with but then the more i thought about it they marketed it as a selfie camera but it's actually more useful as like a theft deterrent device oh you could take a photo of if someone steals, steals your bmw yeah, you could use okay. that footage and give it to the police how about how about mercedes with its new infotainment that's rolling out in stuff like the new gla and glb class um crossovers that are coming out later this year that have built-in tiktok get out of here that to me unless there's like restrictions on it like if you can i'm use sure it while there is driving that would be so crazy it's still nonsense um but yeah that, that selfie camera was also useful because then if you have the app that goes with it you can you know use it to see if you forgot anything in the back seat which i thought was helpful but like the selfie aspect of it i thought was incredibly dumb i'm gonna offend two of our uh distinguished contributors both Peter Bleakney, who is a very, very talented musician and a huge audiophile, as well as Mr. Yacht Rock himself, Jeff Wilson. Um, with exceptions, car stereos, like these big extravagant ones with subwoofers in like the back. 30 speakers. Are, are not good. Like, they're, they're so... I'm not saying, like, yeah, I don't want just four speakers and call it a day. But, yeah, going to these, like, 11, 12... 18 21 speaker stereos that like don't really a it's in a vehicle so you're not really benefiting now some are really good right like some of these 3d audio systems i remember the first time i got into an audi with the 3d audio mm -hmm. i was like okay this is noticeably different than average and it's very good but a lot of these and the other thing is and maybe this is oh joseph it's time for the sound we're gonna demystify a lot of these stereo systems, right, where you see like Volkswagen, I don't know if it still does this, but like Fender Audio and stuff. Or like Beats by Dre. They'll have console, like a consult, but it's not actually, it's just branding yeah. in a vehicle. It's not actually developed by these companies. 
Now, so Volkswagen might have like someone from Fender come in because they won't put their the brand's name on a stereo without kind of giving it a stamp of approval. But it's not like they're sitting there like, you know, fine tuning and adjusting everything. It's just branding. It's it's literally yeah. just a co-brand. And it's crazy because with some of these luxury brands, they'll charge you like five, six thousand dollars to upgrade the stereo system. But those ones tend to actually those are the ones that I notice the most. I would never pay for that though. Neither personally. would I. But but when I'm in the vehicles, like I'm I'm like, oh yeah, this is like a noticeable. But I've also had ones that don't sound good. And I've adjusted all the different like when it's like, oh, concert hall and all this stuff, but it's like, but you're not in a concert hall. You're in a car. I know. And there's a lot of cars these days that come with like nature sounds, yeah. which I find Hyundai really and Kia weird. Are big on that. But the one so the 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 funny one too is I remember doing a concert hall one and I was listening to like faction, like that punk station on on Sirius XM, and the music sounded good, but then anytime the like host or whatever came on, it sounded like they were underwater because it was all echoey and stuff because the way that all the channels had been adjusted to optimize for music meant it wasn't optimized for talking. And so to me, it's just an overrated, I'm sorry, Peter, I am sorry, Jeff. It's just overblown um, the vast majority of the time. Give me like a six speaker stereo and I'll be a happy man. Yeah, I mean, most of the time I'm listening to podcasts, which don't need to be super Are you high listening quality. to On the Road with Auto Trader? I do listen to our own podcast all the time. Um, well, I hate hearing myself speak, but I need to know, you know, where I can improve for next time. So I'm doing my research. Wow. Um, or I'm listening to like oldies because I'm a senior citizen it's and true. I love I love music from the 50s, which was recorded in a time where like it was so low tech back then. So even if you pump it through a, a big fancy stereo, it's going to sound mostly the same. Also like, yeah, degradation from masters. And we can get and this is like a Peter Bleakney thing, right? It's like we're not listening to, you know, copies of master files so you've lost so much quality already over, yeah that it's like what's the point in pumping it through this high-priced stereo when it just kind of sounds like junk yeah. anyways anyway that was supposed to be a short episode I but knew we're it running wasn't low be. on time who knew it was going to be such a such a fun one me that's um, it but anyway, let's get into our ask an expert questions. We have four to get through, okay, so let's let's go. This one comes from Chris. I have a Hello, 2004 Chris. F-150 with a 5.4 Triton V8. Oh, it's I used to have a 2002. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So it sits in my garage under a car cover 98% of the time. I've owned it since 2006 and always ran 91 octane in it. I put stabilizer in the fuel to try to keep it half full. I just figured that less ethanol to break down and turn to jelly was better for it overall. Am I I doing anything wrong i also have a 392 scat pack on order same question so the scat pack does call for 91 i believe it calls for for high octane fuel uh so yes you'll have to use high octane i understand what you mean but the the fuel stabilizer that's what if you're if you're parking your vehicle i used to do that with my miata i would put fuel stabilizer in it um because of, yeah, that breakdown, that separation, you don't want moisture in the fuel tank, like water vapor, obviously. Um, so that's why you'd put fuel stabilizer in it. But again, like unless that truck, and I'm 99% sure it doesn't, uh, unless that truck calls for 91, you've just been 
wasting money. Now, granted, you don't drive it that much, it sounds like, if you're saying it spends so much time under a cover, then it's not like you've been, you know, wasting thousands mm. of dollars since 2006. But I would still say, man, just stick with 87 because you're not getting anything. I think like the, the F-150 Lightning, not the new one, the old one, the SVT Lightning, right. that called for for premium grade right. gas. But it, what does it have to do with the ethanol? Does that have anything to do with how, I, I, how quick it turns no, to jelly? No, I don't think so. Um, I Again, it's like fuel breaks down at pretty much the same rate regardless of of the octane rating. Okay, so, so there's your answer, gonna, Chris. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to see any any difference in in um, that breakdown, especially if you're using fuel stabilizer. That's the big difference maker. Thanks for that question. That's a good one. Um, our next question comes from Frank from Toronto. Hello, Frank. Hi, Jody and Dan. Aside from each other, who is your favorite car reviewer? This is such an easy uh, question to answer, and it's not because he is a, an auto trader contributor. I think I know who you're going to say. That's one of my answers, too. Brendan McAleer, uh, Vancouver-based auto writer, might be one of the most talented English language auto writers in the world. I would agree with that. Um, and is, the reason why is because he just has a way with words, but he has a way of talking about cars in a way that can appeal to people who actually don't care about cars. It's nice too, because his personality comes through in everything that he writes. And it's not just the personality. You can tell every story he writes, even if it's just like a throwaway piece, he puts so much love. Yes. You can tell that he is so passionate yeah. about what he does. Yeah. Really respect that guy. Really yeah, look up amazing. to him. Um, he's, he's an amazing writer. And, and a nice dude overall. Like he's the just nicest. a great guy. So. Uh, and then um, I think if I were to add someone I would love to add Kristen Lee who now works for Motor Trend so congrats on that on that uh, promotion I think what she's doing is incredible really talented um, in many different mediums too writing she's a great photographer um, she's a great presenter as well uh, really look up to her so thanks for your question Frank um, our next one comes from Andy who's actually full disclosure works with us here at Auto Trader <laughs> that is true so uh, cars these days are required to have at least a backup camera and many go even further with sensors and cameras all around the car. However, even high-end vehicles will often lack the ability to clean these pieces of equipment when they're covered with dirt or snow. Why is that? What gives? I mean, there's no <laughs> simple answer, but yeah. Cost savings yeah. is probably what it comes down to. Totally. But I will say that there are some automakers who do offer camera and sensor, well, camera washers, not yeah. so much with the sensors. Here we go. Jody's going to talk about the Volvo EX90 that she just, How I didn't did even look know? at this because you wrote that story and I read it and was like, oh, Jody's hyped about this. So as soon as you started reading this, I was like, I know what she's going to bring up. Yeah. So the Volvo EX90 is the brand's upcoming all-new three-row SUV. It's Tell an EV. Um, and it has the camera washer little cameras that pop out to wash the cameras and the headlights, which I think are so cool. But don't forget, Volvo used to have those little wipers yeah. on the on the headlights. Yeah, I like, remember that. Safety is a big thing for Volvo. But uh, like there are brands, um, even mainstream brands that that use washer. Camera yeah. Washers. So I think Acura uses it. They have mainstream. a washer for their uh, rear view camera. And I totally get where this comes from, because a lot of sensors, um, especially when it's like really grimy outside and like your car 
gets covered in salt. I was just driving a car recently where it was a BMW. It was beeping at me nonstop yeah. because every single sensor was blocked with salt. And there was no way around it for, except like running out and like wiping them down with your hand. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this is why I've said before and I'll say it again, full autonomy is not going to happen. That's just a reality Yeah. because you cannot have a fully autonomous vehicle when it's sensors and cameras. And that's not something you can even putting them behind the windshield doesn't change it because we've all seen what windshields look like yeah. in a rainstorm, in a snowstorm, whatever the case may be, you get salt on there. If they're behind the, the grill, you see those little sensor packs in there. Same sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Those get all jammed up. Even parking sensors on bumpers. Yep. You'll have work. snow and stuff on there. And then it'll tell you, oh, like sensors obstructed. So how, how do you expect autonomous vehicles to operate? Yeah. Um, and I was actually speaking to um, an automation expert. We called him the Flying Dutchman. Okay. Um, or the Flying Dutchman. I, <laughs> I met him when I was in Sweden and he was basically saying that like autonomous driving is not, never going to happen. Oh, I like this guy. Unless we find a way for vehicles to communicate with the infrastructure and with each other. That is really the only way that but that's going to happen. still, that's not... And even that, it's not going to work yeah. because even, even those systems will get gummed up by bad weather. Yeah. But anyway, thank you, Andy, for your question. I agree that, you know, more automakers should offer camera washers. I think Subaru does on the Ascent. Um, but yeah, it's very few and far between. And to Jody's point, it's just a cost-saving thing because it's the same reason why a base Toyota Corolla Cross doesn't have a rear wiper, but the rest of the lineup does. Yeah, That, to me, is one of those cost-saving measures that is unacceptable. Um, I'm going to shame Toyota in this moment and say, get it together, man. That's, yeah. that's ridiculous. Yeah, Anyways. absolutely. Um, our last question comes from Dean. I'm not going to read the whole question because it's very long, but he's kind of having a dilemma right now. Um, he said he's listened to quite a few of our podcasts, which are well done because he loves Canadian content. Thank you. Uh, Auto Trader has great car reviews. However, however, I think you need to do an episode on the reality of purchasing a new hybrid PHEV or an EV. You so, mean a PHEV? PHEV. So his dilemma is that he would love to buy... Um, our best PHEV yes. Auto Trader Award winner, yes. which is the Toyota RAV4 Prime. Yes. And he has quite a flexible budget to work with. His problem is that there's a two-year waiting list. Yeah, it's ridiculous, man. And so he wants to know, like, what's the deal with that? You know, he, he's even willing to pay more to buy a Tesla and like, but he's just having a lot of issues with inventory. Yeah, that's, and I mean, unfortunately, there's no, it's just, demand man there's so many people like you that want to get into it there's only so much capacity that toyota has to produce them because it comes down to the battery technology um you know battery supply is limited the pandemic we're still feeling and because of last year's high gas prices you know the demand for those fuel efficient vehicles just went through the roof yeah, and so it's a lot of things stacking up against you <laughs> but regardless here is the advice that i'll give because i can't give advice to get you ahead of the line or anything like that but what i will say don't just go into your toyota dealer or whatever brand it may be that you want to buy that vehicle and get on the wait list sign a purchase agreement that locks in an agreed upon price because of the demand what you don't want to run into is one of these horror stories where you have an agreement but it's not there's no signature on a piece of paper that say it's a i don't know fifty thousand dollars and then you walk in and they go okay that'll be 60 grand 
And when you go, but it was 50,000 and they go, well, now it's 60 and you have nothing. You can't then go to Toyota and say, hey, I agreed to this without a signed purchase agreement. So sign something, have something in writing that says this is the price that you are going to pay for the vehicle. Protect yourself. I'm not saying all dealers will do that, but it is a very common practice, especially in the States. Um, they call them market adjustments and they can tack on virtually as much money as they want onto uh, the purchase price of a vehicle because of that demand. So have it locked in the price that you agreed upon. Yeah. And so um, from your email, you're also looking at a lot of crossovers, which is cool. But if you wanted to get a, into a car faster, um, maybe you have to look at a non-crossover because the demand for uh, fuel efficient crossovers is even higher yeah. than the demand for something like a sedan. So yeah. like, you know, maybe if you were able to live with a, I don't know, like a Sonata or a Cord hybrid, you might or have a more. Prius Prime. It's, yeah. There's still a, there's still a wait list, but it's not quite as long. Like the RAV4 is just very in demand. Even the, the conventional hybrid version yeah. that's built in Cambridge now, Cambridge, Ontario. Um, the plug-in hybrid is still built in Japan which is part of the problem again the capacity and and just markets right like the, it's a larger market Japan um, Europe the US so there's more of that production capacity is designated for those markets unfortunately we're not going to see those same levels in Canada so that's what you're up against yeah so thank you Dean for your question good luck with your search um, I do know that there are you know 15,000 used EVs and or how did hybrids you know that, or PHEVs Jody? on the auto trader marketplace. Wow. I know that's not a good answer because you want a new one. Um, and most of those are secondhand or but used. It's a good, but it's a good alternative, especially if you're up against, I don't know, let's say a lease um, that's expiring and you need to, to make a quick decision. It's not, you know, totally crazy, especially if you look at certified pre-owned. Um, you can find yourself something with some warranty coverage. So there are some options out there in the meantime. Yeah, but uh, thank you all for your questions. You guys are asking really good questions. Um, if anyone would like to ask Dan or I some questions to answer on our next episode, you could email expert at trader.ca. And that wraps up this episode. Yep. Thank you all so much. Um, drive safe and we'll see you next time. See you guys.